was talking about eternal life um, and the fact that the word says that eternal life is to know God. And to know God is actually to know him closely, intimately, in personal relationship. And so I unpacked that a little bit and I landed on the fact that one of the things that we need to do uh, to make that a reality, to live in eternal life now, because if eternal life is knowing God, we can know him now, is to be a people of the word and to read the word. Funnily enough, also a theme that seems to be running through our church at the moment uh, God has really been pressing me and thus what I share with others has been that essence of prayer to, to sit with him, to meditate, to adore him and our Wednesday mornings have been lovely, our Thursday night um, Ray and, and Vic have been leading that beautifully they've just been a blessing to so many and we have seen answered prayer through that the Wednesday night friendship group that I run at the moment we're focusing on prayer uh, we're two weeks in, you're welcome to come along we just had a look at adoration, we had a beautiful time together so if you're free on a Wednesday night, come along. God's trying to do something in us and remind us of something so that we can live in eternal life now. Um, and it go, and I don't know if it goes deeper, but I, there, there's an essence of life um, that we can sometimes miss, and it's what I want to talk about today, because today I want to talk about joy <laughs> and being full of joy. And I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about joy. Um, and part of living and experiencing eternal life here and now, not just the afterlife, yeah, is actually being full of joy. If eternal life is a reflection of what we're going to experience in heaven, where there's no pain, no heartache, no sickness, and eternal life is knowing God, then I figure that there's joy involved. yeah. So, first we've got to deal with the elephant in the room. Some of us, at times, if not now, have lost our joy. Like, lost our joy. Anyone ever been there? Like, you're just not. You get, like, there is no joy. <laughs> and it's sometimes circumstances. I was sharing with Kylie this morning that life throws you lemons, but sometimes those lemons feel like they're grapefruits. <laughs> and sometimes they feel like they're even bigger. You know, we, we go through stuff that robs us of joy. Death in our family, divorce struggle with finances, children going waywardly, all sorts of stuff yeah, that come our way that actually rob us uh, of joy. And the truth is that many of us have had joyless times in our lives. You know. Yet I want to suggest this morning that many of us can, those that have lost joy, can have that joy back. We can actually have that joy back. You know, I had a conversation this week and um, I, I won't share with, but the conversation went along these lines. I've lost my joy. I, I'm just not the person I was. I've just lost my joy. I used, to be, I used to be joyous. I used to be encouraging. But now I just, I, I find that I'm not. Every day is a struggle. I don't like who I've become. Yeah, that was the conversation. And that conversation's led me to this thought, this, this passage, what I want to share, you know, because I think so many of us actually live in that space, sometimes for pockets of time and sometimes for elongated pockets of time and sometimes we've been there so long that it's just become the norm because better the devil than we know, that we know than the devil we don't because it's much easier to live in the present or the past than it is to look forward into the future that we, we can't see properly that's a little bit uncertain, you know. So, lost joy can be restored. I want to say lost joy can be restored. So Psalm 51.12, I'm just going to grab some water. 
dehydration comes with drinking lots of coffee. Psalm 51.12. And it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now, we've got to be encouraged by King David and his prayers. Actually, all, a majority of the Psalms that King David wrote are just beautiful because there are moments in there when he's going through struggles in life that he actually stops and he meditates on the Lord, reminds himself of things. He totally adores him. And, and, and I love this line, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. God honoured King David's prayer. Like this was a prayer that God honoured, was answered. Yeah, He forgave David of his sin. And the Bible says, it actually says that joy returned to David's life doesn't say happiness. It says joy returned to David's life. And I actually think that God will honour our prayer too. So we've got to watch this because the reason that David got his joy back, I believe, is that he sought the presence of God. He just wasn't a believer for believer's sake. Yeah, Because you know we can all have, and again, this is me being transparent, sometimes in our Christianity, the longer you've been a Christian, sometimes we just go through tying up the dog to the tree, yeah, over and over, and just replacing the dog. We're just going through the rigmarole of what's always done. We just go to church, we go to friendship group, we pray, we don't pray. We just go through the same steps. But he sought God's presence. He, he actually went back to the source and he prayed. You, you only have to read those Psalms over and over and over. Psalm 108, uh, 108 is just brilliant. Just read some of the Psalms that David wrote. They are his prayers. He meditated on God. He actually stopped yeah, and remembered everything that had happened in the past, stories that had been told scriptures passages that were read in the temple that he'd heard even as a child you know he meditated on those things he reminded himself of the promises of god and i believe that because he trusted his father in every situation because those stories were real for him because they were shared in the temple because he knew them and so he had has this this unwavering type of trust no matter how, how bad things looked for him, he always ended up on the positive side of God, always. He just, it didn't matter what he was going through. He just ended up in a place where it was like, I oh, know you got it, God. You know, the first part of the Psalms, woe is me, take my life, take me away. It's, this is disastrous. But I know you're so good and I know you've done this and you did all of this for these people and I've seen you do that. Oh, God, thank you for your goodness, you know. It's pretty much the way that a psalm goes, doesn't it? So how can we do that? How can we have the same, the, the, the same culture on the inside of us, the same DNA, the same desire that David had to get back into the presence, to, to meditate on, on the Lord? You know, and I, I think some of the answer for that is what we talked about last week. You know, when we're feeling joyous, I know this is going to be a revelation for some. When we're feeling joyous, why don't we read the Word? I'm just putting it out there. We're Christians. <laughs> like, you know, like we're Christ ones. His stories. He if we're actually feeling joyous and drained, why don't we read the Word? Why don't we pray? Why don't we actually just stop, remember Him, and pray? Why don't we do that? Breathe. Just stop and breathe, taking all the air around us. 
and then just simply adore him for who he is. Why don't we do that when we're feeling joyous? Joyless is the word I was looking for. Thank you. For those nodding, yes, they picked that up. Sometimes I listen to my messages, you know, that have been recorded, and I think, oh, oh yeah, that, that was dyslexic. You know? <laughs> you know, that's why I, I, I'm really appreciating the prayer course on the Wednesday night. Um, there's just some really good teaching, simple yet solid, but gives us a good practical outworking, and, and thus we've had a, a really good time together the last couple of weeks because I'm learning... Um, what how old am i 48 became a christian at 20 28 years so not as long as some and much longer than others i'm still finding there's things that i can learn you know even even for my own prayer life yeah on how i can get into the things of god and the, the presence of god so when we're feeling joyless maybe we need to meditate on his goodness maybe just maybe if we're feeling that flat and that joyless maybe it's time to go back to the source maybe back to living an eternal life now now not when we die not when we go to heaven certainly not if we're going to the other place who won't have much joy there you know it won't be one of those parties i'm going to hell yeah we're going to no it doesn't work like that <laughs> certainly heaven is going to be full of joy and if we're joyless now we can experience and live in eternal life now then we can experience joy now to know him to have a close intimate personal relationship with him you know yeah it's the joy it's the joy there are examples you, you, you have you have to love a little bit of laughter and noise in church i despise a quiet church i'm just putting it out there you know like i hate it like, in fact, often when we have a guest speaker or someone else is speaking, I have people that will come up after and say, you weren't as noisy as I thought. You didn't amen as much as I thought you were going to. Didn't you like what they said? No, I did. I was just, you know, I was totally engrossed, you know. <laughs> Having said that, that's not an excuse for you to be quiet. <laughs> to me, eternal life's all about living a joy-filled life right now. Like, right, right now. And, and I read a story, so I'm just going to... I'm just going to read it the way that I found it. And it says, A funny thing happened several years ago. Edith, a mother of eight, was coming home from a neighbor's house one afternoon. And as she, you can tell it's an old story because Edith, anyway, it's not a name, you, you know, and children. Anyway, eight, mother of eight, that means television. Wasn't around those days. So a mother of eight was coming home from a neighbor's house one afternoon. And as she walked into the living room, she saw five of her youngest children huddled together, concentrating with intense interest on something. As she slipped near them, trying to work out and discover the center of attraction, she couldn't believe her eyes. Right in the middle were five baby skunks. Right? She screamed, ah, at the top of her voice, children, run. So each child grabbed a skunk and ran. <laughs> You know, somebody just takes all the fun out of life, don't they? <laughs> Sometimes we just do stuff and people just seem to be able to suck the life out of what we're going through, you know. Um, and you're going full steam ahead and you've got the wind in your sails and all of a sudden you, you just you seem to come up against bedrock, you know, and you're flat again and you're joyless. So often we can be confused, angry and even discouraged in life 
the truth is, you know. And we all really know, <laughs> deep down inside, if someone was to ask the question, that our joy is gone. Like the conversation I had, I just, there's no joy. I'm not like I used to be. And we can blame everything around us. Blame our spouses. You know, I would never do that. I'm not insinuating anything else, but I would never do that. You know, we can just blame the situations. We can blame our workplaces, blame our employers, blame our teachers. Teacher didn't let me swing on the chair, made me sit on the floor. You know, my son recently, swinging on a chair, don't swing on the chair, swings on the chair, don't swing, swings on the chair. So eventually he had to sit on the floor. So he's sitting on the floor now, he gets the chair, pulls it in front of him, puts his feet up and starts doing these backward push-ups. And then he says really loud, he says he didn't say it loud, but if the teacher reported it, I figure it was loud. He goes, maybe, while he's doing this, maybe I'll bring my doona tomorrow and a pillow so I'll be comfortable. You know? You know, the apple does not fall far from the mother's tree. Anyway, let's keep moving. <laughs> there are just so many things we face nearly every day that can rob us of joy. Circumstances shake us... Who's ever been disappointed by a person? Yeah. Keep your hand up. Ever been disappointed by someone in the church? <laughs> yeah. Church family, how can you do that? I can't believe you said that. I hate you. Back up a little bit. Got to love each other even when you disagree. You know, like people just let you down. You know, and I know I've joked before and we've all heard it. If I haven't let you down yet, I'm just going to let you know, don't be disappointed. Your turn's coming. I'll get to you like everybody else. Amen. Yay! It's like a dinner. It's coming. Things can distract us from what God wants us to enjoy, you know? And He wants us to experience His abundant, ever, everlasting, eternal life, overflowing with joy now. You know, He wants us to walk into our eternal life, to know Him intimately, closely, in personal relationship. But it's a choice. You know, it's a choice. To, to live in joy, be in joy is a choice. See, all around us, Joy is missing. You turn on your television and seriously, my wife, Mel doesn't let our boys watch the news because it's just so negative. If it, even the sports are negative. The Western Bulldogs lost again, except for last night. Any Carlton supporters? No? Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah. I tell you, Jesus is coming back soon <laughs> after that. Even, even TV. What about the weather report? Ever looked at the weather report? I love the weather report. Hey, it's going to be 18 degrees tomorrow, sunny, with a 20% chance of rain. Why don't they say something like, it's going to be mostly clear with an 80% chance of sunshine? <laughs> like, seriously, yeah? Just something as simple as that. Everything is just so geared to be negative that we're wondering why sometimes we have no joy, yeah? What happened to the glass is half full? rather than the glass is half empty, yeah? Glass is always half full. There's always something good that you can get out of every situation. If it weren't so, the Lord wouldn't say he can use all things together for good, yeah? You know, as Christians, believers in Jesus, I think sometimes there's a confusion to what joy really is. And the truth is that even people in God's family have a hard time expressing joy, yeah? You know, often in church life you hear... You hear the statement, you know, fake it till you make it. We don't want to fake it till we make it. We don't want that. We want, re we want real. We want authenticity. Yeah, we want openness so that we can journey with people. But in that realness, 
there should be a joy. And if our life circumstances are robbing us of that joy, our focus is now misplaced because we've moved it away from the King of Kings and our total focus is on the stuff that we're going through if our joy that comes from the Lord has now been lost and robbed. Yeah, It's a choice. It's always a choice. And sometimes that can be really hard. So where does this kind of joy come from? Well, it's, it's a choice. It's a matter of attitude. It's the Holy Spirit living in us. It's having confidence in God. It's knowing that he's going to answer our prayers. It's the belief that he's at work, that he's in control, that he's in the midst of every situation. But how do we know all that? <laughs> and how do we build that kind of faith? There's stories about God and Jesus in it where, where he did stuff that no one imagined possible. So when you're going through your stuff, you're like, hey, yeah, dang, he's done this before, yeah? What about spending time in meditating on the word, getting a word from him so that when you're in the midst of your trial, Holy Spirit just says, remember that? Remember that? Remember when I did that? Remember when I came through? Remember that prayer that was answered? Sometimes we just need to stop like we did this morning and be thankful, like really thankful. Lord, I just thank you. Oh, what a smashing day. The sun's not out, but Lord, I thank you that all of our, our plants are watered. The trees are healthy. I thank you that I, I got all the way to church in my long drive and there was no accidents on the road. Thank you that I actually woke up and I had breath this morning and I'm alive. Thank God for that. I figured the kids would be scared if I, they woke up and I wasn't awake, you know? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for the things around me. Thank you for the things that you've done. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you for my friends that come alongside me and shoulder my burden. Thank you. Maybe sometimes... In our joylessness, we need to be thankful. We need to stop and adore him. Now, everything about God speaks life, I reckon. Psalm 16:11 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. Now, we can be in his presence at home. We can be in his presence in the car. We can be in his presence when we're alone. I also know we're in his presence where two or three are gathered. I also know this morning and every other morning in every church around Ballarat and in Victoria that as people begin to worship collectively, yeah, that his presence is there. In your presence is fullness of joy. I wonder, this is not criticism, this is commentary. I wonder how many people during that worship time that his presence is there because his word is true. You may not feel it, but where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. I wonder how many people during that worship time when his presence is present are not joyful in that time, are waiting for it to end, waiting for it to move on, waiting for the next line. Whether here... The psalmist, again, in your presence is a fullness of joy. Like it's overflowing. It's overflowing. It's overflowing. I, I enjoy worship. It comes naturally for me. 
It might be my Italian blood growing up with Dean Martin singing in the background, yeah? I don't know. But, but I love those moments where I can just sit with him and worship. It doesn't matter for me whether there's five people, a hundred or five hundred. There's a fullness of joy. And particularly when you start, when there's a tangible presence, it starts to flow. I could just sit there all day and not speak a, a single word. There's fullness of joy. You know, is it a coincidence with the stats that, you know, church, church attendance in the US once every six weeks is normal, you know, regular? Australia once every three weeks is regular. Is it a coincidence then that the church has lost its joy? <laughs> I just wonder. I'm just, just putting it out there, yeah? You know, in the Old Testament, the Israelites sat around the tabernacle of Moses, yeah, that housed the Ark of the Covenant, and that's where the presence of God dwelt. In, in the New Testament, the early church sat seeking his presence, yeah, and waiting for him. Think about Pentecost. They just sat seeking his presence and the Holy Spirit came. They weren't running off anywhere. Again, this is not criticism, it's commentary. We need to be able to challenge ourselves in our walk. And if you're not prepared to be challenged in your own faith, it's not faith. Yeah? Faith takes you to places you don't want to go. When you get there, you realize you want to go. Faith takes you to places that you've never been before. Faith is not something that you know, grab hold of, and you know 100%. That's not faith. That's knowledge. Yeah, faith is always a question mark and an area of uncertainty that you've got to step in with fear and trepidation almost. Yeah, somehow people have lost, I think, the desire and love of the church family, they've missed church. Church has become the sermon, the worship, yeah, the sermon, and I don't need to be there for that, you know. I don't need another sermon. We don't. We don't need another sermon. We've probably heard enough sermons to be able to change the world already. Yeah? But the gathering together is about family. It's about breaking bread together. And it's a shame that somehow the focus has been shifted, that the fastest growing churches are the churches that run for the shortest period of time. I think that's disappointing. I reckon... I reckon... My mum would be so upset if we went to her place for lunch, we ate, and we were out the door within an hour. I, yeah? I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, if that was us, leaving all the dishes, that was awesome, thanks for the pasta. Rose, can we take some of that home? You're great. Can you pack that up for us? Yeah, cool. I'll put that in the boot of the car. We're going to Ballarat. It'll be fine for two days in there. No problem. You know, and then off we go. She'd be, like, she'd be furious. When we're there, she wants us to stay. She wants us to fellowship. She wants us to talk. It's family, yeah? In his presence is fullness of joy. You know, joy comes from having a thankful heart that's confident in God. I, I, I love Paul, particularly through Philippians. And in Philippians 1, verses 1 and 2, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseas and deacons, grace and beast to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul, when he's writing this letter, yeah, we're, we're, when Paul's writing this letter, they think that he's in chains, probably house arrest, yeah? And he starts writing this letter when he's in prison, they think in Rome, right? Awaiting his trial before Caesar, and he starts writing this letter to the Philippians. Now, though he was in chains, he was able to move freely around the house, he was visited by friends. But he was constantly connected to 
some yard. And this is the big one, that in this place, connected to a guard, not able to walk out the front door, in prison, waiting for a trial, he starts giving thanksgiving. He actually begins giving thanks. I don't think any of us, regardless of what we have been through, have been through some of the things that Paul had been through, been through up until that point. Yeah? And Philippians 1 verses 3 to 6 says, I thank my God every time I re remember you. He's just thanking God because he's remembering you. Yeah? He's, just, he's there, he's in prison. Oh, that's right. Janine. Oh, God, I just thank you for Janine and Stephen. I just thank you for Jenny. I just thank you for Preet. I thank you, God. He just breaks out into thanks. He's in prison. He's waiting trial. Yeah. And he starts giving thanks. You know, being thankful is a key to being joyful. Being thankful for what God's done. Being confident of his ability to accomplish the work. You know, Paul sat in prison, chained to a Roman guard, and he never let he never let that stop him from praying. He kept praying. I know this is such a boring message. We know Christians should pray. They should pray. Thank you for telling us that we should pray. Let's remove the word prayer and just say, Christians should talk to God. They should talk to God. Not just with a list of stuff that we need, but we should talk to God. We should be thankful at all times. Paul knew the Old Testament. He was a scholar. He knew every promise that had come to pass, every miracle that God had performed. He knew it. And he had this faith that worked against the stuff that he was going through so that he could remain joy-filled, joyful. Yeah. Now, how does that relate? How can that relate to you and me, you know? I'm not in the same circumstance like the Apostle Paul, but there are often pressures that I go through as a pastor and as a father. You know, how do we pay the bills? How do we fill the empty seats? You know, how do I get my kids to behave? How do I stop Samuel's eyes rolling behind his head? You know, how do I do those things? How do I pay the bills? How do I get the credit card out of Melanie's purse? How do we disciple new believers? How do we grow as family? Yeah? You know, there are a myriad of questions and situations that bounce through my head. But I need to choose to give thanks for my family. I need to give, choose to give thanks for this family and for this church and for all that God has done. I need to choose to adore him. I need to pray and remember what's gone before so that I know what's to come. Yeah? You know, all these things... These things alone are, what are going to fill us with joy. It's these things alone that have us stepping in and walking in eternal life now to know him closely, intimately, personally. You know, if I can use Anna as, as an example. Sorry, Anna. But Anna, we know, has cancer. She's going through her chemo treatment, yeah? Life-saving treatment. This is what we suggest for you, Anna. Because if you don't, this is what we've discovered. Now, yes, we're praying, okay? But this is what we've discovered. Now, if we don't do something, if we don't act on this now, then the outcome, it's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be favourable. So we want, we want you to jump into this life-giving treatment right now. 
Now, Anna knows, oh, man, that means every two weeks I've got to go. I actually have to sit while they give me chemo. I'm going to be sick for days. I'm not going to want to roll out of bed. Unfortunately, I'm going to lose some of my hair, discoloration of the skin. It's all going to happen, but this is my life-giving treatment. Imagine if she said no. Yet Christians every day choose to not live in eternal life. Yeah? Not criticism, commentary. Christians every day choose not to accept the life-giving treatment that God has given us. Yeah? I don't want to read. It's boring. You ever read Lamentations? I don't want to do that. The words are too small. I don't like the King James. I don't agree with that. It talks about hell. Hey, let's not read at all. Why? We don't need that. We just love God. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be with family. I can do it alone. I've got Facebook. I've got 2,000 friends that I've never met that like my stuff until one dislikes it and you get into an argument and then you unfriend them. Yeah? Why don't we pray? I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start to pray. But it's your life-giving treatment. It's going to step you into eternal life. It's actually going to have you so that you know God and you're building this close, personal, intimate relationship with Him. I don't want to pray. Oh, my God. Oh, Heavenly Father, I don't know what to say. Amen. But it's our life-giving treatment. This is what God said. Do you know what? I'm going to give you life and life eternal. You're going to have joy and you're going to have it full. You're going to live an abundant life. Here's your tools. Here's what you need. Here's your treatment. Don't come every two weeks. Come daily if you can. Read a little bit. Pray a little bit. It doesn't have to be long. But the more you do it, the more your body will get used to it. And the more your body gets used to it, the stronger the inner man gets. And then before you know it, you're walking in eternal life. Imagine if we said no to that. Why would we say no to that? Because the enemy wants to rob us of our faith, Yeah, wants to steal any bit of faith that we've got. It's my favourite Bible, and if you noticed, I threw it so it would land flat. Why, why would we choose that? Anna would never choose to say no. If this is the only option that I have, then I'm going to do whatever I can. Because I want to embrace life with all of my family and my children and my friends. I've got years ahead of me. Why do we as Christians, why do we choose at times to say no to those things? What situation are, are we in that causes us to focus on our problems instead of the good things that God has done for us? Yeah. I think this is a great reminder for us. You know, the scripture we read before says that, and I didn't read it to the end, but it says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work, began a good work. So keep it up. He's not asking for a lot. Yeah? He's not asking for a lot. We don't have to exegete the scriptures, but it's good to get to know him. It's good to give Holy Spirit some ammunition to speak into our hearts. It's nice to be able to worship and all of a sudden you have a moment where Holy Spirit reminds you of something 
that is a, something you've been through, something that someone said, but I guarantee you it'll align itself with the word. That's how Holy Spirit works. You know, Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11 says, And this is my prayer. Get Paul in prison, that, you lo- that your love may abound more and more in knowledge. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Paul never prayed for deliverance there. He prayed that they would grow in knowledge because knowledge of each other and knowledge of God. Knowledge is knowing. Knowing is eternal life. And the eternal life is knowing God in a close, personal, intimate way. That's his prayer, that they would grow in a close, personal, intimate relationship with one another and with Father God. I think that's brilliant. He didn't pray that they would be happy. He didn't pray that they'd be healthy. And, and they're all good things, yeah? They're all good things to petition the Lord or to intercede the Lord for. But only after we've come before him and, and adored him and thanked him, yeah? When Paul prays, he prays this, what I think is a huge God-sized prayer that you, your love may abound more and more in knowledge, in knowledge and depth of insight. He wants them to walk in eternal life. He wants them to walk in a close, intimate, personal relationship with Papa. So for them to experience all that God wants for them, for them to be joy-filled, joy-full people, not joyless people, they need to know Him. And the way that we get to know Him is we journey with one another. The way that we get to know him is we share our stories, our testimonies, our experiences. The way that we get to know him, we read the word. The way we get to know him is we stop and we chat with God. We communicate. We pray. Yeah, That's what we do. You know, We all need to keep our focus on him, not the stuff that we're going through, because that stuff just doesn't stop. It is relentless. And just when you've overcome something, something else comes up. And just when you've overcome something, something else comes up. Life around us is geared to rob you of your faith. But we need to gear ourselves with our life-giving medicine towards him, yeah? Why don't we stand? Philippians 4.4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. The Bible also says to rejoice with those that are rejoicing and to mourn with those that are mourning. We can't rejoice with those that are rejoicing if we are joyless. Yeah? We cannot rejoice with those that are rejoicing when we are joyless. How do you know if you're joyless? Sometimes it's a feeling. Sometimes you know. How often, and again, this just might be me, my brokenness, my frailty. Someone shares something good and I've got a smile on the outside and I'm going, that is so good. But deep, deep down inside, I'm going, that sucks. Anyone ever thought like that? Just me? Just me? You can pray for me after. You know, like, that's not fair. What about me? It isn't fair. You know, we all have those moments. So if I know that I, I'm prone to that, I've got to be able to see and go, well, hold on a minute. 
I should be rejoicing with those that are rejoicing. Why am I so joyless on the inside? Maybe I need to go back, like David, to the life-giving source, to his presence, to working and walking in eternal life, to know him closely, intimately, personally. I think that alone shifts the dynamic of Christendom flat out, full stop. Because if we can have and walk in eternal life now, we will be full of joy in every situation. When we're going through sickness, when we've got ailments, when we've, we've got some mental illness, fatigue that's happening, we can work and walk through everything when we're full of His joy, yeah? That only comes from walking in eternal life. That is knowing Him, amen? So I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray that we will be a people that will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There's so much we can get upset about that can get us down. But if Paul, when he was in prison, was able to pen those words, when he was facing Caesar, just before, by the way, he was beheaded. Yeah, before he was beheaded. I don't know about you, but I figure beheading is probably slightly above most things that we've gone through. You know, just I, just, I think it would be horrific. I figure some blades need to be sharper for some people. You know, other blades probably are quite frightened of what they're about to hit. I don't know. But I don't ever want to be beheaded. I never want to find my head in a basket. I want to be able to rejoice with those that are rejoicing. Amen. I think that's what we should aim for as a church, to be a people that can walk along others with others, rejoicing when they rejoice, mourn when they mourn. That when we know that we are joyless, can say, hey, I need to take that life-giving medicine. I need to step into this life-giving treatment that God's given me. No excuse is going to stop me stepping into that space, yeah? Why don't we pray? I want to pray just for a, a, a people that dearly, 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 dearly desire to step into a place that is full of joy, and I don't use that word as happiness, but want to step into a place of joyfulness that they can truly rejoice. And I want to pray for those that are tired of being joyless. And you know the moments when you wake, the moments during your day where you just know you've been sapped of that joy. I I want to pray for those people that we would have such uh, uh, an infilling of the joy of the Lord that people would see it on the outside because joy comes from the inside but I pray that there would be so much that people would see it on the outside so without looking around and just with every eye closed if that's you today if you if you know you've struggled with joylessness and you're tired of it I just want you to put up your hand just so I can see so I know who I'm praying for yeah you just know you you want something better for yourself something better for your faith And if you want to be so filled with his joy that it's contagious, and I'm not talking happy, clappy, Pentecostal, loud music. I'm talking about a joy that is contagious because you're in love with Jesus. I want to pray for you. So, Father, I just thank you for those in this place right now. Lord, first and foremost, Lord, we just speak and pray against the enemy in Jesus' name. The enemy that has robbed us of of our faith, has instilled doubt, that has robbed our joy, that has left us feeling flat at times. We just say, in Jesus' name, be gone. You have no hold here. You have no right here. You have no voice here. Father, we pray for your spirit 
Lord, to speak loudly upon all the hands and lives of people that are saying, we want to walk in your joy. Not because life's good, life can be tough, but because we're focused on you, because we're taking our life-giving treatment, because we know you and trust you. We've read the word and we know what you can do and what you will do because we've stopped and we've prayed and adored you. And in that adoration, just a peace that surpasses understanding has enveloped and covered our souls. Lord, we want to be a people that live in that place and space that no matter what happens lord god we'll be able to stand lord joyfully lord gleefully lord rejoicing and worshiping you because you are our holy god our majestic god so father do a work right now start to fill those that are joyless lord that they would feel it bubbling up on the inside that it just won't be a sermon or a message but they would sense a difference lord god lord a tingling a, lord be it a, a new intuitiveness father in your presence lord something that they will be able to say god has just done something i don't know what it is but it's different I was feeling down, but that circumstance hasn't changed, but I'm feeling okay. I'm, I'm at total peace because the joy of the Lord shall be our strength. God, do a work in this house that we would be a blessing to our families, but Lord, we would be a blessing to our workplace. Lord God, that we would be a blessing to the other churches in Ballarat, Lord, as they discover what we, Lord, are stepping into. Lord, the joy of the Lord. May it not be repetition. May it not be tying a dog to a tree because somebody did it before. May it be real and true for each and every one of us. And everybody said? Amen. Let's have a wonderful day full of joy. Let's enjoy our lunch. I figure they might need some time to get ready at the back.